So I got an ad from Nordstrom. Uh, the nightcap old-fashioned cocktail mix and lubricate, lubricant set includes old-fashioned cocktail mix with aromatic bitters, cane sugar, and bar spoon, shine organic lubricant, latex condoms, two count. Tuning into Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod. You can find this podcast on Twitter at GaySpacePod. With me, as always, is my familial co-host, August. Uh, hello. I did not know we're related, but I guess that's a thing now. Um, I'm August. I guess I'm August Baker now. I don't That's know. Not bad. Yeah, it's uh, AB. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm August. You can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. My pronouns are they, them. <laughs> uh, this week in cartoon news, fuck Texas's legislature. Yeah. <laughs> I fuck hope they all rot. Them. Like, I don't hope yeah, they I rot hope, in hell. I hope that they rot right the fuck now. Like, yeah, I hope no, literally nothing good ever happens to them fucking ever. Yeah. yeah I hope yeah, explicitly yeah. terrible things happen to them. Yes. I, I'm being coy in what I would normally say uh, for podcast reasons, but know that I wish the worst things I possibly can upon them. Yeah, same. Same. Inverse prayer circle for the legislature of Texas. Please, like, uh, stop praying for Grandpa and start praying for Satan to show up in Texas and get some shit done. Yeah. Uh, other than that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I don't have any other. I don't think there's any cartoon news. Did you read that uh, that article I sent you? I did not, because reading is hard. That's fair. Uh, Indy Stevenson and the voice actors for uh, Catra and Adora were doing like an interview about um, about the She-Ra. It was mm -hmm. actually it was pretty good. Like in particular, Indy Stevenson talks about like implied queer relationships mm -hmm. um, in a lot of stuff. Uh, and in particular shouts out like uh, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline, uh, which is probably like is the the er genesis of like queer relationships, I feel like in the 2010s, right? In cartoons. It is the is the seed from which I think everything flows. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, normally, I would be like on Steven Universe did Steven Universe did do quite a bit, but like. It, it's also you can't separate the fact that like the person who is one of the people who is like really pushing this relationship, this implied relationship between uh, Bubblegum and, and Marceline was, in fact, Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> so and like this isn't to like uh, to detract from Korasami, Right. Mm -hmm. But it 
Avatar, uh, like uh, Legend of Korra, did not end with Korra and Asami kissing. So, well, not only that, but like Adventure Time has more of a very direct effect on the a lot of the properties that we're talking about here as opposed to mm-hmm. you know there aren't a lot of people who came out of Legend of Korra that I'm aware of that went on to be their own showrunners and stuff like that true it really felt like the the writers room or the create like the creative staff uh, of Adventure Time was really just like an incubator for for like cartoon based creatives mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, or at least like in the projects that, that the people who worked on, or who worked on adventure time worked on before are also like really important. Like chowder is weirdly important mm-hmm. and, um, flapjack also weirdly important, you know? Mm hmm. Um, Adventure Time may be the most important cartoon of the last century, just say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weirdly enough. If you're out there and you're like, man, cartoons were better in like the 90s, you're fucking wrong. I've watched them. They suck shit. I don't think Rocco's <laughs> Have you gone Modern back and Life... watched Rugrats? Rocco's Modern Life is the exception to the rule. <laughs> uh... Like, but have you gone back and like watched Rugrats? It's like unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, I have not. Are you talking about from like a storytelling, well, quote unquote storytelling quality or animation quality? Um, kind of a little bit of both. Mm. Um, Rugrats, I'm gonna like let off the hook. I just Rugrats is in my mind because I almost bought a members only Rugrats jacket at like a like a Ross uh, the other day. So it's like been heavy in my mind. Oh my God. Um, I, I it, if it was tempting, it was like 35 bucks. I'm like, oh shit. It's got the big members only patch, mm-hmm. uh, but it was like a pullover jumper. And I'm not, I'm not about that life. That's fair. I like zip up things. So if it had been zip up, I almost certainly would have snatched it up. I yeah. was there looking for a sensible jacket, but found that and was tempted very, verily. <laughs> I mean, that's that's valid. Like, I can I can sit here and be like, oh, my God, why? But also I recognize that that's that's a valid impulse. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like a lot of ni- 90s cartoons or early 2000s cartoons. Like, the cartoon cartoon era. Like, I have nostalgia for it, but also, like, I just don't think a lot of that shit holds up. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not to say that it wasn't influential and it was is not part of the building blocks, but, like, to say that shit now is worse than shit then is is a misnomer for sure. Especially if we're talking, like, if we go further back than the 90s, fuck you. Mm-hmm. 80s cartoons suck shit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't say you're wrong. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm full of hot takes tonight. I guess that's fair. Got I'm all riled up by the Nordstroms. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, do you watch any cartoons, August? So I have two things. 
One of them isn't strictly speaking a cartoon, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. And one of them is actually literally a cartoon. Oh, my God. Um, so I'm going to start with the the not strictly applicable. So I started playing Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. um, which I know I'm super late on the bandwagon. I've got like nine hours in it, and I already am in love with Kim Kitsuragi. Like if I had to pick a dude, it would be him. Um, good game. Really, really solid writing. I deeply enjoy like the quality of the storytelling and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, like, if you've got any non-spoilery, like, Kim Harry fanfic out there in the audience, like, send it to me, please. Um, uh, I've heard a very good thing. I still have yet to play Disco Elysium. Uh, I know I probably would like it. I'm I'm nine hours in and I'm not even done with the first day, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, first day is 24 hours, so. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, but it's good. I I deeply enjoy the the way that they do the world building is very deft. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of good environmental storytelling. Um, The only problem is, like, it doesn't do a whole lot of tutorialization, which is a little frustrating because it took me about two hours before I realized you could run. Uh, (laughs) Which is kind of an important thing when a clock's running, you know? So, that's, that's, that's how it is, but... I'm 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 enjoying it a lot. Um I was looking for a thing to replace inscription as the thing that I was playing obsessively uh since I beat inscription and it's uh I have to be careful if I sit down to play Disco Elysium I'm gone for like 3 hours at a time so <laughs> I've taken the opposite route but okay. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll get there. Um, as far as the actual literal cartoon that I've been watching, uh, Anya and I have started watching She-Ra together. Oh, nice. Finally. Yeah. Well, I've seen the first season, but we're starting from the beginning because the last, I, I watched the first season when it came out. I binged it over the yeah. course of like two days. So like, uh, we're starting from the beginning. We're trying to watch an episode every couple of days. Um, but I'm, I'm still really enjoying it. Uh, the character designs are great. Um, Bo is trans. You cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah. Not not a whole lot to say about it other than I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, it's really great. Can't wait to watch more. Yay, good. Um... Let's see. What have I been watching? So unlike uh, August, who found something else besides Inscription to be obsessive over, I've started obsessing over Inscription when I figured out that there was a thing called Moon Percent Speedruns for Inscription, which is like getting to the first uh, first section boss. Uh, and that the world record for that was 13 minutes. And I looked at it and I went, I don't think I can do that now, but I do think that I could do that. <laughs> so I've been, I guess, learning how to speed run inscription. 
I did a I did a full moon percent run on Monday. I did it in 27 minutes. I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. Like I feel like uh, that's It took a- me like it was like my eighth try because like the problem with the problem with speedrunning inscription is that it's also RNG based. So like sometimes yeah. you just get fucked. Yeah. Um but I, I like felt pretty a, good about that 27 minutes. Yeah, that's a, a pretty respectable uh pretty respectable time, I'd say. Yeah, I like for a first try. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um or not I guess not first try but first completion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um let's see. Uh finished Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh it was really good. That show fucking whips. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. John Cena, everybody in the cast, fucking amazing. Uh, John Cena in particular gets like a big shout out. Uh, the final episode is really good. Um, James Gunn turns out great director. <laughs> Hell Who yeah. Thought? Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Uh, we continue to not watch the Critical Role cartoon, though. Ashlyn has brought up a great thing. We're uh, whoever pays us enough will do one of the two things. Uh, if you pay us, you have to either pay us to not watch it or pay us to watch it. Uh, and whoever pays, basically, first person shows up with a check, we're going with it. Mm. <laughs> uh, though I have been tempted to watch the show because I hear that it apparently is pretty good summarization of like that section of the of the campaign one. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um, I think that's honestly it. Just been Yeah. Speaking of cartoons I will not watch, I am not going to watch that Lord of the Rings TV show. Why not? It looks like ass. It looks like it's going to be garbage. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be Game of Thronesifying the Silmarillion, which are too sick. Two tastes that do not taste good together, IMO. More elves fucking. No. <laughs> which, which, how, like, which, uh, kingdom of man is the Targaryens? Oh my god. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I I love being a person who has no reverence for the Lord of the Rings sometimes. Like, those movies, they're dope. Uh, Have not read the books. Book's too bad. Book's too too thick. So, so as somebody who deeply loves the Lord of the Rings, I can say with all of the love in my heart that Tolkien does not know how to pace himself out of a wet paper bag. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of choices that he makes that make the text difficult to engage with but i still love it very very much i love the movies very very much i think that peter jackson did a great job of taking what makes lord of the rings fun and good and translating that to a medium that they were not meant for like I'm not going to say it's impossible to film Lord of the Rings because clearly Peter Jackson did it and he did a great job. But like a lot of the choices that he made, he made for the sake of movies are an entirely different medium from books. 
and there's no right. getting around it. And you can't do something in a book. You can't do in a movie the exact same things that you do in a book. It just doesn't work. Right. So. He was brave enough to have Benedict Cumberbatch put on that weird suit and crawl around the booth. I, I think you're talking about The Hobbit, which is an entirely different thing. And I'm pretty sure it's all the Lord of the Rings. Are you talking about Andy Serkis? No, I'm talking about The Hobbit, yeah. <sighs> the less the less said about the Hobbit, the better. Like those weren't even a good adaptation; they were just bad. Uh, man, I really like the Shadow of uh, Mordor games. I know that apparently they suck from a lore perspective, but I think they're real fun. That's fair. You're allowed. Yeah. Do you ever play those? Um, I don't remember if I played Shadow of Mordor or not. Um, I know I've played at least one Lord of the Rings game and enjoyed it, but, um, I don't remember which one it was. Not Lotro. I've never played Lotro, <laughs> but. Uh, oh, we should play, we should play those games once we're done with Stranger's Wrath. Oh my god. Uh, I just watch you be so mad when, like, sexy Shelop shows up. Why would I be mad about sexy Shelob? I love sexy uh, spider ladies. Uh, she's not really a spider. She's a sexy oh. lady. Yeah, she's not like part. She's not like a drider. She's just like a sexy lady. Fucking who can turn cowards. Into a spider. I'm yeah, already mad. Fucking cowards. You're going to be real mad when the main protagonist turns into a ring wraith. Is it a sexy ring wraith? Uh, it depends on how sexy you think Talion is. Mm, fair. Uh, also, Laura Bailey is in this, this games, so. Well, I mean, the cast of Critical Role, like, between all of them is in about, like, 95% of voice acted video games in the past, true. like, 15 you, years, so. You cannot escape Critical Role. Nope. Um, Okay. Well, let's get to these fucking episodes. Mm -hmm. This week, we are covering two episodes. Episode uh, uh, Onion Gang and Jim Harvest. Episodes 110 and 111, 112, because Jim Harvest is a double episode. Um, let's start with Onion Gang. Uh, episode 110 came out on February or September the 15th, 2016, written by Lamar Abrams and Katie Mitroff. Uh, Stephen learns about Onion's secret group of friends. And I started to spot on. This is an A. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. It's, it's this, what happens and it also doesn't give too much away. Yeah. Not that there's much to give away. Uh... <laughs> Uh, this episode starts off with Steven and Onion. They're, like, bouncing around on Steven's couch. Steven's narrating all the things that are going on. Uh, they're having a fun little time until, uh, we hear the horn of, uh, Yellowtail's boat. And Onion goes out to go see his dad. Steven continues to narrate, talking about how, uh, Steven's hanging out with Onion because there's no kids his own age for him to hang out with. Uh, 
next morning, uh, Stephen's reading on the couch when Onion comes and knocks on the door. Um, Stephen asks if Onion wants to hang out some more, but Onion leads uh, Stephen through town and into the woods where we meet a gaggle of extremely scary children. Just fucking little serial killers, these guys. Uh, <laughs> these are Onion's friends. Uh, they are Squash, Garbanzo, uh, Pinto. Uh, Pinto, there we go. Couldn't find the other one's name. And Soup. Um, I do love that they're all named after little uh, vegetables. It's cute. Uh, they begin to do some fun games where uh, they are fixing up uh, a soapbox car where then they crash and Garbanzo pretends to die and Steven gets extremely upset because he's not processing death trauma very well right now. Um, but then they decide to all like stack up beyond each other and be like one big person in a trench coat. There are five kids in a trench coat. Um, and, uh, you think that they're going to try and do something nefarious, but in fact, they just kind of like flash a dude, like literally like with a camera flash and they've been collecting a series of, of pictures of them disturbing the peace around town. Uh, then they race bugs. Um, Steven's bug wins, and then they seemingly are encouraging Steven to crush the winner of the race. <laughs> Steven is like, nope, he nopes the fuck out and he goes away. Um, we come back and uh, uh, Steven realizes uh, that he is the one like he goes to oh sorry i missed a part he goes to uh call some more people to hang out with connie's busy Petey's an old man and steven realizes that the person who doesn't have anyone his own age to hang out with is himself then onion comes up and steven's like i don't need your pity onion and he's like no 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 fucking come with me he apologizes to all the kids realizing that they um they're all packing up because the summer is almost over and those kids are only in town because th their parents are in town for the summer in beach city um and onion's real sad that they're going uh, and he really wanted Stephen to meet them before they left. Um, Stephen and Onion share a bit of a moment together at the end, talking about how uh, Stephen doing his best to cheer up Onion, who is tearing up over the loss of his friends. Um, they they hug, star wipe the end. This episode's a fucking fever dream. I thought it was really cute. It's cute, but it's also a fucking fever dream. I was just like, I forgot this episode, and I'm watching it just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> You're watching a bunch of kids having a good time, and sometimes that good time involves, like, terrorizing people and or bugs. True, I guess. Um, I like Onion's group of latchkey kids. They're yes. all going to grow up to Ocean's Eleven, a fucking, like, Vegas casino at some point in their lives. Yes, agreed. Um, <laughs> I love their their flagrant disregard for all of the rules of society. Ungovernable, these children. It's true. I swear to uh, God, Kat. <laughs> I will kick you out. He's you like gotta chill a little bit. He's like looking me dead in the eye while he's threatening to step on my desk. 
he watched this episode. He got ideas. He's ungovernable. Yeah. Uh, I do love all the kids in a trench coat and you, like you have you're like, oh, they're going to try and sneak into an R rated movie and Steven's going to get embarrassed. It's like, no, <laughs> they're just going to find a man and terrorize him. Yeah. Uh, and then they, all the pictures that they've been doing it. Oh, it's just so weird. It's so fucking weird. I mean, it's weird, but ultimately harmless. Like, it's more harmless than I would expect most Onion shenanigans to be, considering that Onion has, like, gone into the arcade with a crowbar with potentially the intent to steal. Possibly Onion has been shown to be an actual little criminal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, ultimately, the, the pantry of friends is probably a, like calming force in Onion's life because they're not doing anything illegal. They're just being nuisances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the text from Petey. Uh, I screenshotted uh-huh. it for August. Yep. Because <laughs> it's like, Steven, hey, you want to hang out on the boardwalk? Cat emoji. Uh, can't hang out. End of summer rush. Then sad fi- face. Dollar stack. Dollar stack. Dollar stack like a uh, flexing arm is just like pd in the fry shack with that one the rock song just on loop uh, yeah <laughs> uh also thank you show for reinforcing uh reinforcing our continued like why does steven not have any friends yeah Poor Steven. It's true. Poor buddy. He literally has two friends. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even consider Petey his friend. Petey has to talk to Steven because he's paid to talk to Steven. I feel like they've talked outside of Petey's work. Maybe. I would say like. Ah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Him and Petey are probably like friendly. Yeah. But I bet they're Petey's not, never like, been over to the beach house. No. No, they're not, like, bros, but yeah. I can understand, like, I feel like if Petey hadn't been working, he would have been down to hang out on the boardwalk with Steven. Yeah, probably. But also, when's Petey ever not working? I mean, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote, slaps this trench coat, it can fit so many kids in it. <laughs> so many delinquents. <laughs> so many. Um, I literally have no, almost nothing else for this episode. Yeah, I, This is a very cute episode. This episode is pretty, pretty, like, this is the most fluffy fillery episode I think we've ever had. I don't know, like, I feel like, uh, the Beach City Play one, the Community Play one was probably a little fluffier, but... Eh, true. Because, fair, fair, like... Fair. This, to be perfectly honest, they're setting up a bunch of locations that are going to be important at the end of this. Like, this actually, this episode plays into the finale of this season. Okay. Yeah, because, like... Uh, not not super directly, but it does. Yeah, because, like, this, this is 
I don't want to say it's super important, but it still feels like it's important that the show points out that Steven is in such a unique position with his friend group and like what he has in the way of social options. Like Steven's not a normal kid. Right. I think that's a, I think that's a good and important point, especially as the season cuz like like a lot of this season theme is about Steven reckoning with himself, right? Mm-hmm. With like the existence of himself, where he stands, his relationship to other people. These are huge huge parts of this season. Mhm. I mean, fuck, we get like that is literally like a big aspect of the next episode. Mhm. Mhm. Uh so I think it is I think it is it's small they're they're setting up a whole lot of small bits to make the ending of this season pay off, I think. That's fair. This episode is a fucking fever dream though. What is the bug race? Why is the bug race? What did they want him to do with the mallet? What was the point? If they saved the bug, why did they want him to did they want him to smash the bug? What is going on with the bug race? I feel like it was a hazing ritual. And if he had smashed that beetle, what were they going to do? Kill him. That's probably fair. <laughs> but no, like, I feel like it was a hazing ritual. Maybe. Probably from them. Also, this just, is the <laughs> most we've ever heard Onion talk. Like, Ooh, ever. Mimi. It's so, I, I like the Mimi Mies. It's pretty cute little. It is pretty cute. Fake language. It is pretty cute. And like. Garbanzo's a Pokemon, right? Like, he's not a yeah. child? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garbanzo is Pinto's uh, Pokemon companion. Oh, I just assumed that Pinto was, like, what evolves into Garbanzo eventually. That's fair. Yeah. He's like a Pichu. It's like Kangas Khan. Mm-hmm. Wait, there's, there, is there a tinier version of Kangas Khan? It's just uh, Kangaskhan has the the pouch. Wait, is there a tiny version of Kangaskhan? I don't think so. How the fuck is that not a thing? I don't know. Uh... Little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there's just baby Kangaskhans. They yeah. don't have an evolutionary line. That makes no sense. It really does. Apparently when Kangaskhan becomes a mega Kangaskhan, uh the baby gets out of the pouch and also fights. Yeah. Fucking Pokémon, man. Yeah. Uh all right, do we have anything else about this episode? I never thought I'd feel bad for Onion. Right? Like, they really did a good job humanizing little little uh, half-gem, second, second half-gem in the world. Yeah. Like, they did oh. <laughs> It wasn't, like, a hard swerve either. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of thing where, like, you know, you can see where they had the building blocks of Onion and Steven's relationship 
mm-hmm. with each other throughout the series. And so even though Onion has largely been painted as a gremlin child who is potentially the devil, like it's not a, it's not it's not a it's not a hard left seeing him humanized in such a manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also, good character I love work. Vidalia painting Yellowtail in the in the fucking driveway. Yeah, just in to think underwear. to be their neighbors. You're like, you look out the window and you're like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, he's in his underwear. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if the show were on Adult Swim, he would have been nude. Yeah, he would just been full dick out. Yeah, show Yellowtail's dick. No, Cartoon Network, you cowards. No. Chopin. No. This isn't Game of Steven Universe. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, I think that's it. I don't have yeah, any more I, notes. I have very I, few notes to begin with. Yeah, I think I think that's it too. Like it was a cute episode. I enjoyed it. Very fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um Mostly, mostly just some minor Steven development. Um, yeah. While you're setting some building blocks. Yeah. Uh, while you're uh, going over the summary of the next episode, I'm going to throw this cat out of the room. Sounds good. Um. Next up is episode one eleven slash one twelve. Jim Harvest. 22-minute special episode. Uh, it debuted on November 17th, 2016. It was written by Raven Mollesey, Paul Velico, Hilary Ferlito, and Jesse Zook. Um, the summary, Stephen's autumn visit to the barn brings a new stranger into his life. I think that's okay. It's okay. It's not the greatest, but it's okay. Uh, Steven arrives at the barn. He's knocking on the door. He's trying to get a hold of Lapis and Peridot because he's there to spend the night. Uh, they are not in the barn. He turns around and there's a full fucking cornfield. Uh, somehow he missed that walking up, I guess. He wanders into the cornfield to find Peridot and Lapis tending to their new farm. They have gone full fucking cottage core on this motherfucker, and they are growing a bunch of corn and pumpkins and stuff like that. Uh, Peridot doesn't understand how the earth corn works and thinks it's like gems where it would be alive. Uh, when it's not alive, she expresses some level of dismay kind in, in Lapis saying that like they get kind of lonely out here away from everybody else. Uh, Steven thinking that he can fix this problem, he licks a pumpkin seed and plants it, only to wake up the next day to a totally alive pumpkin dog. Much like the watermelon dog. Actually, pumpkin is basically watermelon dog, I just realized. Uh, they, we go through a little sequence where pumpkin dog loves Steven, and Steven has to own up to creating pumpkin dog, uh... But in an effort to make Lapis and Peridot feel better about their, like, less alive uh, pumpkins, Stephen carves basically a jack-o'-lantern horrifying pumpkin and uh, pushing him into or pushing her into the arms of her loving mothers, Peridot and Lapis. It's at this point a plane arrives at the barn and we are introduced to Andy. Uh, he is Carl <laughs> from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That actor has a name, but I don't know it. Um, he is yelling about the barn, saying that it's his barn, uh, that, 
uh, Lapis and Peridot need to get out. They're a bunch of, like, weird hippies. Get out of my barn, you hippies. Uh, Peridot and Lapis are like, okay, we're gonna fucking murder this guy. And Steven's like, don't fucking murder him. Uh, calling in Greg and the Crystal Gems, they arrive only to find out that Andy is, in fact, Greg's cousin. Uh, and... Uh, he introduces himself. Uh, Steven's trying to figure out where in the kind of cousin line that he and Andy are. Um, but Andy is like, just call me Uncle Andy um, and is ecstatic to meet uh, Steven. And then we go through some comedy of error shit with the family, right? So, like, Greg talks about, like, yeah, this is my son. Andy's like, well, you never fucking told me you had a son because you ran away 20 fucking years ago. And Greg's like, well, it's not like you ever fucking asked. Um, uh, Andy puts his foot in his mouth, wondering which one of the gems is Steven's mom, uh, though is is legitimately like, oh, I'm feels bad when he realizes that he kind of fucked up real big there. Uh, he's still not relenting on letting the gems into the barn, uh, talking about how th these are this is his parents barn. It's technically Andy's barn, I think. Um and that, you know, there's so much family tradition here. They used to meet here once a year for big family reunions and share a big meal. And Steven's like, listen, we got a bunch of fucking food. Uh, we're going to cook a big goddamn meal and you'll have to accept us as family at that point. And he's like, ah, sure, whatever. Uh, so we go through Andy trying to get a feel for the gems. Um, and it's all kind of starting to work right up until Peridot and Pearl build an oven out of a plane engine uh andy kind of freaks out at this uh because it was the engine to his uh parents plane it was the plane that he learned to fly in um he gets real angry though eventually sort of like storms off calms down and the gems are like listen or steven's like listen we got to make this the best fucking party ever there's a weird typo here in the summary on the wikipedia that i just noticed um we're going to have to throw the ultimate party to turn this around. So Garnet, Pearl, Lapis, and Peridot, they all drive off, uh, while Andy, Greg, and Steven, and Amethyst kind of keep each other company and start preparing the food. Uh, Steven is impressed when Andy is cooking, and they sort of bond over the act of making food. Uh, Greg and Andy start reminiscing about um, Aunt Deb, uh, Andy slowly sort of filling him in, uh, filling him in about stuff. Uh, and while Steven starts to cook, Andy's warming up to the situation. He's like, he's getting over the fact that, like, the initial shock that the, the engine is an oven because it's working really well. Um, he's connecting with his family here. And then the, the, the gems arrive back and they've got every kind of goddamn party you could fucking love. You want birthdays? We got it. You want funerals? We got that shit too. We got marriages and goddamn divorces. Let's fucking go. Uh, Steven, or at this point, Andy's like, goddamn it, whatever. Let's eat. He's, he's fully on board with all these goddamn weirdos. Um, as dinner goes, the crystal gems and Lapis and Peridot, they're all having fun. They've got history they've got in jokes it's all happening and andy is feeling not mad but increasingly more isolated and realizes he's the he's the sort of extraneous part of this he's not he's not the person who is he's the he's the odd man out here um that this is a family and he's not really a part of it so he he declares you can have the barn 
Uh, and then he gets in his plane and leaves. Steven and Lapis give chase, and Andy's like, holy shit, you're like a mile in the air hanging off of a lady. What the fuck's wrong with you? And Steven's like, I want to be family. And Andy's like, oh my god, you're gonna fucking die. Um, eventually, uh, through Steven almost dying, because, you know, it's how the, the, the show works, uh, Andy opens up saying that he felt sort of left behind by the rest of the family. Like, everybody moved away. Um, everything changed, and he didn't want it to. And then, at, at this point, comes the realization, like, well, I could have, I have a plane. I could have gone and met everybody where they were. If everybody was changing, I should have changed, too. And Steven's like, listen, it's not too late. Uh, we can be your family if you, if you want to come back and have that. And, uh... And he does. He decides to come back. Uh, he sort of smooths things over with, like, the gems and him kind of reach a tentative, like, let's just not talk about all the weird shit. Agreement. Uh, Pumpkin runs up. He coughs up a groom figure from the wedding cake that was there. Uh, Steven, Andy, and Greg all laugh until Andy's like, Jesus Christ, this is weird. Uh, star wipe at the end. Oh, boy. Okay, there you are. All right. Let's... Before we get into shit. Uh-huh. Okay. Do we think that this episode works? Like, in the end, at the, by the time it gets to end credits, do you th- do we think that it mostly works or it does not work? I have a difficult time answering that question because I cannot remember clearly the times during which this episode was made. But in the world of 2022, this episode is disgusting. How so? You know Andy voted for Trump. Almost certainly, yeah. I would not be surprised if Andy participated in the January 6th storming of the Capitol. And Mm. we're supposed to break bread with him. Okay, if he wasn't there, he was at least cheering it on. I mean, maybe. I come at this from a weird perspective because I have a lot of family who is basically this guy. So do I, I and they disowned me. I mean, fair. Extremely fair. I am not on the outs with my family that are like this. I regularly meet them. We talk. Mm -hmm. We reminisce. Like, they're not my best friends. I don't call them up all the time or Mm -hmm. anything, really. I interact with them at family functions similar to this one. And... It is interesting to me because I feel like it really it, it captures that weirdness, that family dynamic that is so fucking weird of like being diametrically opposed to another person. Um, but they're not really diametrically opposed to you. You know what I mean? Like they they have beliefs like they have been fed a significant number of things and they they parrot a lot of stuff that they've heard but when you drill down into like who they are as people they're not 
fundamentally, or I guess more specifically, they're not on a personal level. They are not bad people, but on a macro level, they're not great as the dichotomy of those people that I do find interesting. Like I have worked with and been like in great working relationships with a number of guys who are very much like this, who like talk shit, who spout like right wing politics. But when you talk to them, when you get onto them about like what their real actual beliefs are, like they're just like, I just want to take care of me and my people. Um, and they don't really treat people like on an individual one-on-one basis, super shitty. Now, does that mean that the, the actions that they take on a wider basis are justifiable or good? Um, that when they say hurtful shit, that it's, it's excusable. Fuck no, fuck them on that point. But like, it is, it's really weird for me because I had the same react. Like when this happened in 2016, when I watched this episode, trust me, the fan base does not like this episode. (laughs) Uh, Everybody hates Andy is the Andy hate club. And like, I don't think that he's great. I wouldn't want to fucking hang out with him, uh, except he does have the voice of Carl. And occasionally that does th- that does make me fucking crack the fuck up in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in no, particular, I... when he screams. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, Hobos broke into the barn. I don't know what it is. It's like an activation phrase. And my 13 year old brain laughs every time because in my head, it it's funny. Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force yelling it. Right. Yeah. 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 It was funny. It was hilarious. There's a yeah. lot of really, really funny line delivery in there. And I'm not saying that, like, I hate this episode. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't think it. So remember how pre-pod I was like, I don't want to actually like meet you on the field of battle to podcast. Um, So I feel like we're going to meet on the field to battle for podcasting because of our wildly different experiences of these kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I've worked with a lot of right wing people who would be very much like Andy who on a surface level seemed to treat people on an individual level, you know, pretty decent, but, and, and this may just be because I'm AFAB. And so the way that I move through the world is also going to be far different from the way that you move through the world, even though we're both queer. Yeah, we're of course. Flavors. I, I do definitely have, I am coming from a position of being like, like a cis white straight passing dude. And so I have obviously a wildly different fucking experience in the world. Yeah. There's, there's always been a level of distrust there Mm -hmm. with these people and with the side of the family that espouses the, the MAGA Trumpist beliefs, like, my mom's brother tried to kick the shit out of her and my stepdad because they're quote unquote gay lovers, quote unquote black lovers, you know, like I'm not, I can't like, I just, I can't, I can't justify trying to make nice with these people. I don't understand why mom still does it. Like I can't, I just can't. 
And That's, it's, yeah. again, it's, it's because we have such vastly different experiences of these types of people. Right. I, 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 and I'm not saying that you're, by any stretch of the imagination, you're wrong for, for feeling that way or for doing those things. I think you're entirely justified in doing so. I just think it, it, it this is like a, a, 2016 seems like a billion years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think this, ep- this episode would not get made if Steven Universe was being made now. No. It's, it's just like the QAnon stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't think this stuff aged incredibly poorly. Yeah, aged like fucking would... milk. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's not good. Like, I can get, you know what? 2016 was still, like, technically the Obama years, the centrist mm-hmm. reaching across the aisle bullshit. Like, that's the the sort of atmosphere that this episode got made in. It makes perfect sense. It's a product of its time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now that now that I've come to this this conclusion, it makes perfect sense how this episode got made and why, but it's just like... Oh my god, like, I have such a difficult time sympathizing with anything that Andy says. I can't, uh, I just, there's a part of me that's, like, a little sympathetic about, like, you know, he left the barn a certain way with the expectation that it would stay that way unless he interacted with it and i mm-hmm. i can get that but at the same time it's like bro you haven't been back for 20 years what the fuck are you actually expecting here yeah and it's interesting the like emotional curve uh mm-hmm. of it because like you know because the thing that like really fires him off is the engine thing and like Obviously, they didn't know, but I could also see why that would be incredibly upsetting, you know? Yeah. (sighs) It's just feels bad, man. Fair. Extremely fair. Um, Small things. uh, Lapis and Peridot. Queens of Cottagecore. Yes. (laughs) If If you weren't like these two are lesbians before... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The only way they could get more lesbian is the application of flannel. Um, I think Paradox picks up some some overalls later. Is that that's that's comparable? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm what? really surprised that they missed the corn dog joke. <laughs> um. They could have made a big corn dog. It would have been pretty cute. They could have. And I'm going to take this moment to uh, bring up a comment that somebody said since we're uh, since we're on the topic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kaya in our discord uh, said, what animal and vegetable combo would you want as a pet a la pumpkin dog? Um... I would also like to shout out Shannon's response, which is okra raccoon. <laughs> yeah. 
That's that's like the most quintessentially summer or not summer quinta quintessentially southern answer. Um, I'm gonna say cucumber cat because then the cat would be cool as a cucumber. Um, watermelon radish uh, opossum. So like Fair. both those things. Fair. Um, let's see. What other notes do I have? Uh, on the on the note of pumpkin, God, what a cute fucking design for a character. Oh, a meteor! Like so I cute. love this thing. <laughs> it's it's so probably cute. why they didn't make it corn because they could make it round, and then round is the most fringe shape. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, also, this this did not need to be to a double episode length. I think it would have been better. Like, I, I think it like pacing and everything, because this is the only episode where I've been like, God, the pacing feels weird in this because it feels like a like a normal length episode stretched out over 22 minutes. That's so OK. Again, we're going to have to meet on the field of battle. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought it was great as a as a 22 minute episode because it. It had a lot of room to breathe. Mm-hmm. And, like, if Andy had just been a weird, estranged uncle, like, this episode would have been fantastic. Like, I enjoyed the way that the characters had room to breathe, the, the way that there was a lot of downtime. I enjoyed, like, the tension of, like, how do we, you know, crack Andy's shell? Like, my mm-hmm. main problem with the episode is just andy yeah but if you replaced andy with like a an eccentric uncle who doesn't get out much and is bad at social skills like you know without all of the rampant bigotry this would have been great i would have loved it apparently greg's voice actor also worked on aqua teen hunger force huh i don't the, the it doesn't say what character he was, though. Also, uh, there's n- this also feels like the episode that has the most improv because it feels like he's just like riffing on fucking lines a lot of time. I can see that. Yeah, maybe not a ton, but like there's definitely got to be like that, like the line about the pepperoni stick. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that was in the script. Yeah, it just feels so like peppy and natural. Yeah, it it um, was very good. Um, how'd you like the DeMeo, uh revelation? Uh, I mean, it made sense. I I suspected legal name is not universe. No, he said he changed it. Right, right, but it's not. I guess is like uh, his uh, his birth name. Yeah, yeah, his birth name. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured his birthday birth name wasn't universe and that he changed it for for his musical act potentially Mm -hmm. legally so like cis people can change their names if they want there's nothing wrong with that um but uh my favorite thing from this entire episode is pearl saying our greg is the superior one because that's just like a watershed moment for pearl like, 
her talking up Greg is such character development. <laughs> it is. I, I really did like that part in particular. Like, uh, it was, it's, I mean, she's not, she's not necessarily Greg fan number one, but she can at least recognize that Greg has good qualities and like, yeah. he's a good person. Yeah. Like, she's like, this is a, like, this is, I'm, we may not be best friends, but fuck you, buddy. You can't come in here and like talk shit. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if Andy showed back up again and he does, he shows up like, we're going to see him like literally next, next time. Oh no. No, he's only, it's like a can't, like he's a short, he flies Greg and, uh, Steven someplace. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a little throw. And apparently he's also in reunited. Um, he's at the, he's at the, he's in the, one of the last episodes of the season or of the series. Okay. But he, I think the other, the other part times we see him, he's not voice acted, uh, probably because like, he's just a background character. Yeah. No reason to get the guy in. So, um, let's see where are my notes, uh, uh Pearl's blatant not understanding of the human concept of marriage is great true i love that screen cap that sent you why don't we all get why don't we all marry each other yeah um yeah i feel like i'm also going to post this screen cap like as uh as it like as uh dumb kids continues like it oh just feels God. like this, this is the universe that we're all gonna end up in jesus um the fans are all I, calling for it <laughs> they're they're not all calling for it they're all calling for for specific people uh <laughs> to all marry each other but um i also uh shit i lost my thought oh uh. i also uh Enjoyed how Andy read Greg for filth by gesturing at Garnet and being like, she's big. You probably like, you know, you're probably married to her. He knows Greg's type. Like 20 years hasn't yeah. changed Greg's taste in women. No, it has not. I mean, listen, you just like, if you've got to pick like, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Even oh, the, though Amethyst the on is the Amethyst, one he fucked. It's true. The look on Amethyst's face when when Andy says that though is hilarious. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, oh, also Although Amethyst. Uh, the oh, go on. Sorry. Amethyst, uh, not being a big woman is uh, not breaking Greg's streak since she's not a woman. It's true. Uh. Also, she is, in fact, the coolest crystal gem. So, like, you know. She really is, objectively. She's, the, she's, she's got more game than all of the rest of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love the dinner. <laughs> the dinner is very good. Uh, fucking, like, the, 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 the little escalation and then Peridot and Lapis just taking it way, way too far with the depression jokes. Like, the two people with, like, the serious depression just 
taking the jokes uh-huh. way too far and making everyone else feel uncomfortable. I feel this in yeah. my bones. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh um I do also like the the line, all right, I'll give your coven a chance <laughs> to the crystal gems. It's really good. Like, there's some good stuff in this episode. Like, I'm not again, I didn't hate this episode, it's just it didn't ate, work for me. Right. It ate like it would be one thing if we weren't viewing it through the lens of this of today. Mm-hmm. But like, like it's impossible not to. Yeah. Like we're not view we're not here to view this in context of 2016. We're here to view it in the context of now, and and, and again, I think if you went back and you told these creators to remake this episode in in 2022, they don't make this episode the same way. Yeah, like I think they tone they, they make a lot of the choices to be about like because you can have roughly this exact same episode without some of the weird shit that Andy says, and like his motivations yeah. can be exactly the same. I don't want you in my barn. Why the fuck are you fucking up all my family stuff? I feel isolated because I'm the like my family left and now I don't see them as much and I feel alone. You know, like all those motivations are fine. There's nothing wrong with those. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I mean, this will be issues, I feel like, as we go further with Steven Universe. Like, I think Andy's frankly more egregious than the the diamonds somehow, uh, because we get way more time with the diamonds to understand where they're coming from. And like they make their their issues a lot more personal. I feel like this is the they learned a lot from this episode and its reaction Mm -hmm. from fans and how to write characters that are like unlikable but sympathetic. Mm hmm. Um. Because, uh, like, I don't necessarily think that the, the, the plane lands fully when it comes to the diamonds. But also, I just don't think I think everybody a lot of not everybody, a lot of fans wanted space epic out of Steven Universe. And that just was never going to be this show. Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah, got this- sci fi lore, but that lore is only as good as it supports, like, inner character interaction. Yeah. Or, you know, the themes of, you know, interpersonal relationships being good and healing and a source of strength. Right. Sh- Steven makes his most shonen protagonist pose in this episode, too. When he's like, we're going to cook you a sick-ass dinner with the power of friendship. Like, yep. it's so very fucking Naruto. Believe it. Fucking believe it. God. Yeah, I mean, this episode just aged like milk. Mm-hmm. It could have been great, but I don't know. It's. I'm glad they didn't try to swing for the fences with this one. Just because. There are certain swings that they've taken where they've completely missed the mark and it's been Mm -hmm. really, really bad. And it's like, this is not great. It feels bad. Yeah. But 
if they tried to swing for the fences, it would have been so, so, so much worse. Right. Like, I think fundamentally they accomplished the thing that they wanted to do in the context of when they made this. They just, it didn't age well, but that's not, it's hard to go back six years, even further, probably seven, at least seven, because like the production schedule. Because they yeah. would have been writing this episode in 2015. Maybe early 2016. But, like, it came out in September, and animation doesn't have that quick a fucking turnaround. Yeah. So, it, it's... You know, it, it's hard to go back that far and be like, hey, this shit you're making is going to to age really poorly because of some very specific shit that you could not <laughs> you could not call from this far away you know what I mean yeah and I mean like I guess some of the reason why that at least you and I don't view it as having aged well is like this is peak centrist politics yeah and, and we're just not those people no we're not we're absolutely not like I don't know how anyone could get this far in the show and not know how we feel about centrist politics. Yeah. Like, it just, it's just, it's weird how, how this episode hits me because of like the experiences that I have in my, cause I, I work very, I work very like work a day, jobs like I work in a lot of manual labor positions and interacting with like being the like screaming fucking anarcho-socialist weirdo that you know and I'm not out in a lot of places I work these jobs in the fucking south right um I like to get hired (laughs) like usually I to be perfectly honest I got not necessarily outed at my last job but like it became common knowledge that I was in fact queer to everybody in the back who did not, who never mentioned that shit to our bosses who were, who are like, like the guys in the back are just dudes who work. Right. And they have generally Mm -hmm. conservative politics because they're, they're working class people in Appalachia and they are fed a constant diet of propaganda that hinders them in like, moving for like they, they are trapped in a bubble and i got out of that bubble but i can't also judge people for getting trapped under the m- mountain of bullshit that is life here right uh my yeah. boss though who makes like a couple mil oh oh i'm gonna judge the shit out of them they're the real fucking enemy here <laughs> yeah the guys in the back i can teach them they understand like working like class dynamics because they fucking live them. Like my the the people who pay the who sign the paychecks they fucking do not. Um but uh but also it's not like I was hanging out with those dudes the fuck after work. Right? Like yeah. And it's not like I trusted them. Uh I'm just good. I know how to play the part. Like I know how to pass. Uh because it's, you know, I can I can talk about just enough things to be able to carry a conversation and exit the ones that I don't want to talk about. Yeah. We have just enough crossover, like, interests. Like, I also like off-roading and guns. Uh, don't want to talk about the other shit. I'm out. <laughs> or 
I can steer the conversation in a way to get them thinking about different stuff. Uh, but I'm not here to like proselytize either. I just want my paycheck and I want to go home. Yeah. So this yeah, episode sits a weird sits in a weird place in my brain. Yeah. It's it ain't great. No. Nope. Not good. Although it does kind of raise the question, like, is the the message that Steven Universe tries to espouse, is it inherently centrist or not? Um, I don't think the message itself is inherently centrist. I do think it's written by people who have centrist politics or not radical leftist politics. Um, yeah. I think those people change by the time this end of this series, like... Steven Universe Future has a completely different feel to it, and it is a show that is being written, like, at the rise of, of the Trumpian era of politics. Yeah. And you can feel it in these people as they're writing it. Because it's a show about being depressed, it's a show about watching, like, achieving your dreams and then not knowing what to do with it. Like, it's a, it's a show that has, like, a lot, and, like, I think it's also really telling that Rebecca Sugar hasn't had another show. Like, has a, had a show that is not, maybe not necessarily a financial blockbuster, but goddamn if uh, Cartoon Network doesn't milk it for every fucking cent that they possibly can. Um, I mean, they're but, still making PSAs starring Steven Universe characters, for fuck's sake. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're still probably selling a fuck ton of merch at, like, Hot Topics for Steven Universe. And it's, I, fi- I think it's extremely telling about how the politics of the people who make this show change in the fact that Rebecca Sugar has not returned to work for Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and why would they, frankly? <laughs> Uh, considering how mu- how shitty it seems Cartoon Network treated Rebecca Sugar this whole time. Yeah. Um, it almost makes you wonder if she didn't get blackballed. Right. But also, how does somebody else not pick Rebecca Sugar up? And not even like a Disney, like a Netflix, like a Hulu, like a, not Hulu because it's also Disney, um, or like uh, Warner Brothers. You know, like just fund it through HBO because HBO Max has a like there's a lot of shit on HBO Max that is just HBO Max that is not through any other Warner properties. Yeah. Uh, And I wonder if like and again, I haven't read a whole lot. Maybe there's an interview with Rebecca Sugar that answers these things. And if there is, if you're listening, you're like, oh, 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 send me a link. I want to read it. Um, cause I think Rebecca Sugar is a really interesting character who on one hand, like Steven Universe does have like, a uh, this like reach across the aisle vibe, uh, especially cause it's like, it, it's initial politics are, we fundamentally can reach like through like radical love, we can make the world a better place. I don't think that is an inherently centrist political view but a lot of the things where you get to that point 
can be, especially because Rebecca Sugar's not writing literally everything for this show, you know? Um, there's a there's a reason why <laughs> we don't read Rebecca Sugar's name every time we get to an episode. Rebecca Sugar's just the producer of the show. Um, but you feel a lot of Rebecca's politics and the fact that this show exists. That, like, Rebecca went to the wall on a regular basis to make sure that, like, queer stories were front and center in front of kids in an era of cartoons where that was goddamn hard. Uh, and also has not returned to the space. Probably because the experience wasn't great. Yeah. But God damn it, if it wouldn't be just sick as shit, if, like, HBO just gave Rebecca Sugar a dump truck full of money and was like, make the show you want to make. <laughs> I bet that would be a cool show. All right. Rant over, I guess. <laughs> um... Oh, oh I forgot to mention in uh, watching cartoons, N.D. Stevenson uh, did a little Boba Fett comic on their Twitter, and holy shit was it good. It's the best Star Wars thing I've seen in, like, six years. And that includes The Mandalorian, which I love. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying here is give N.D. Stevenson a Star Wars show. Let Indy Stevenson, like, do the Dr. Afra cartoon, because I think that they would do a phenomenal job. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Done ranting. Yep. I weird, weird week for the Steven universe. Yeah. Yeah. So, next time, we are back to three episodes we are watching Three Gems and a Baby, Steven's Dream, and Adventures in Light Distortion. Um, if you want to come talk to us, come talk to us uh, on our Twitter or our, on our Discord. You can also talk to us at Twitter. I'll see it. I just don't. Uh, I monitor that Twitter, but I'm not like active on that Twitter. And I'm sorry, folks. I just I, I can only run the one Twitter at a time. Um. Uh, but, uh, if you want to ask great questions, like, frankly, uh, Kaya, killer question, top tier question. Love, love that. Yeah. Uh, please ask us what combination animals we want. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> I, I do think that we should, we should adopt the, uh, the moniker of being two enemies who hate each other while reviewing this cartoon. I think it would be very fun. <laughs> um... But yeah, come join our Discord. Description is in the uh, the link below, and and I guess check us out on Mondays. Uh, we're streaming Strangers Wrath, even though it does not want us to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like these Oddworld games are getting progressively more broken. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Um, wrapping should, up season yeah, two. Wrapping up season two. Going to move into season three. Probably here in the next couple of months. Uh, 
We are gearing up for season three of Roomware Pod. It's going to be a good one. What's going Uh, on over in FTL land, August? By the time this drops, uh, Mm -hmm. the first episode of season six of FTL will have dropped uh, episode 61, part one. It's hard to believe that we have done 60 plus recordings of main feed episodes, not including bonus or Patreon episodes. Like, what the shit? Um, my Kickstarter for a physical edition of my game, Ocean Tides, should still be going. Uh, go to tinyurl.com forward slash ocean dash tides to check that out. Um, also, a couple of days after this drops, it'll be my birthday. Uh, gonna do a stream of, uh of a game that I want to play over on the Standing Stones Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Standing Stones Prod. Uh, I'm going to be 30. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good time. Nice. You should never ask a harpy their age. That's true. Um, let's see. I think that is that is it for now. Uh, who did, who did the outro last time? Uh, I think it was you. I think it was me too. I was also thinking it was me, so it probably was me. All right. Well, in that case, I, um, ask you listeners to please be like Cookie Cat and leave your friends behind because the summer is over. Peace. Peace.